Welcome, everyone, and thank you for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection for Wednesday, December 6, 2023. At St. Paul's Church, our vision statement reads, Learning, Loving, Living God's Word. Over the last three-plus years, as I prepare for these Wednesday Bible studies and reflections, I have without a doubt learned more through reading and studying the Word of God. And I can certainly say I do love God's Word and continue to fall deeper in love with it. I have become more conscious of trying to live God's Word as well. Now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, got a question for you. Have you ever wanted to do something that you knew you probably shouldn't do? Well, I got my hand raised. Remember when you were a kid and your parents would set ground rules for your behavior and boundaries for how far you could go from your house before you had to turn around? Those ground rules and boundaries were established for your protection and well-being. You could say it was part of the agreement or covenant that you probably had between your parents and yourself. In some cases, it could have been written, but more often than not, it was a verbal set of boundaries. And if you're honest, there were probably times that you begged and whined to do things you knew you shouldn't do and your parents did not want you to do, but because of your persistence and whining, in the end, they may have said, well... If that's what you want to do, just go ahead then. When that happened, more often than not, you ended up paying a price for your insistence on doing something that your parents did not want you to do, and you really, deep down, knew you shouldn't be doing it. Now, when I was growing up on Saturdays, it meant raking leaves and pine straw into piles and then burning them. Man, I look forward to that. Now, this occurred in late fall and early winter when the leaves and pine straw were falling from the trees. I am most certain my parents warned me and set boundaries about how close I could get to those fires as we burned the piles of leaves and pine straw. One Saturday morning, I was riding my tricycle after we had let several large piles in the backyard to be burned. I can almost remember it like it was yesterday riding my tricycle in a circle around the fire and getting closer and closer. And the next thing I knew, I had rolled into the fire. I guess that was my first discovery that fire and exposed skin are not a good mix. My parents scooped me up and took me to the emergency room that Saturday morning. Luckily, I did not have any permanent scarring, at least not visible scarring. But I certainly do have a vivid memory of it. I don't remember my parents specifically saying, go ahead and ride close to the fire if you want to, 
but it's not going to turn out well for you. One thing is certain that I know growing up, I did irritate and frustrate my parents. The text for our study and reflection today comes from the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah ministered and prophesied over a span of 40 to 60 years during the reign of four kings. During this time, we get a glimpse of how the Israelites irritated and frustrated God. Here's an overview of the book of Isaiah. During the years when kings ruled Israel and Judah, God spoke through prophets. Although some prophets predicted future events, their primary role was to call God's people back to him. The most eloquent of the prophets, Isaiah, analyzed the failures of all the nations around him and pointed to a future Messiah who would bring peace to the nation and to the earth. Isaiah's mission may be summed up in this one verse, Isaiah 62.1. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. You know, God's prophets were the covenantal overseers, if you will. Just envision them standing and talking to the people of Israel with a covenant in one hand and a list of things the Israelites had done to break that covenant in the other hand. The Ten Commandments were part of the Mosaic Covenant. The Ten Commandments were not a form of punishment. They were a gift from God. They were actually guidelines to avoid punishment and to avoid conflict among one another and learn how to live together and also to model a godly life to the people in the land that they were going to inherit. Do you think God ever got tired of the Israelites living outside of the Ten Commandments? And he basically said, okay, go ahead and do what you want to do, but if you continue this behavior, there will certainly be consequences. Well, let's see what Paul has to say about that in his letter to the Romans, and then we'll read our text from Isaiah. This reading is from Romans 1, 24 to 28. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to their to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a deprived mind so that they do what ought not to be done. You see the theme of God giving them over? He gave them over to what they were worshiping outside of the Ten Commandments, outside of the covenant he had established with them. Now let's listen to Isaiah's prayer, and that's what this is. It's a prayer for mercy, and it's a prayer for help. This prayer is found in Isaiah 
chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us. And you have given us over to our sins. Yet, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. You know, the first two lines of this verse describe the kinds of devout individuals who cannot be found in the community. The last two lines give the reason for this sad state of affairs. There's no one that calls upon the name of the Lord. And that means there's no one who comes to prayer in worship. This is hyperbole exaggerating the community's failure, the poverty of their relationship with their God. They stress that both formal and informal worship have not been part of their regular life. For thou hast hid thy face from us, the word for introduces the reason why the people no longer feel any sense of attachment to God. It is almost as though they are blaming God for their failure. Thou hast hid thy face from us. Now that's an idiomatic expression that means God abandoned his people. And it occurs in many of the lament psalms. You can see, for example, in Psalm 30, verse 7, Psalm 69, verse 17, and Psalm 88, verse 14. Now, the Hebrew expression for thy face refers to God himself. I don't know about you, but I don't want to test God so much that he hides his face from me. We serve a wonderful and powerful God who wants us to live in the covenant relationship with him within boundaries he has set for us. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, and we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Grant that we may always look for your face, Lord, and pray daily for your mercy and for your help. We ask this in the name of your son and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.